Hello and welcome back to the Injury to Elite podcast with your host me, Dr. David Meyer, dream coach and performance physical therapist. Do you have a challenge that stands in the way of your dreams? Well then this podcast is for you. Today, elite sailor Lara Dahlman Weiss joins the show. Just recently, Lara was moments away from qualifying for the 2020 Summer Olympics with Team USA Women's 470 Sailing before the qualifier event in Spain was canceled due to COVID-19. Lara and I discuss her Olympic preparation from a mental, physical, and spiritual standpoint, as well as how she is handling the current situation head on. Lara, thanks for joining the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We have to give John Denny another shout out. He's helped me get a few people on the show, you included. And so thanks, John, for introducing us. So I ask you, Lara, is just really a background on 470 sailing and when came a dream of yours to go to the Olympics? Sure. Um, well, my Olympic dream started at a very young age, and I thought I was going to go in basketball. Um I, I love the sport. I love the team dynamic. And I was always very tall for a young person. Um, and then all of a sudden everyone around me grew. And so basketball was out of the picture, but uh, it was college when my coach said that I was the right size for the 470. And so he really planted that Olympic seed. So what's the normal body type for, for this type of sailing? Well, you always know 470 sailors walking around because there's one really short person and one really tall. So Nikki is my skipper. She steers the boat and she sits in the back and she's very small. And then I'm kind of the lever that hangs off the side of the boat. So I actually clip in, I wear a harness, I clip in and kind of counterbalancing the the wind. Right. And how often do you disconnect from any of this stuff connecting you to the boat? Does that happen? Yeah. Well, I disconnect on purpose to do a lot of the mechanical movements. So it's really physical, but funny story. I actually did get ejected from the boat um, during one race in Italy last year. And it was right after Nikki had been in the hospital for a few days from an infection. And so we just got on the water and it was really windy and the boat just turned from out under me and I flew off the boat. It's never happened before never happened again. And I don't know, (laughs) all of a sudden I was swimming alone. So I guess you got to be a strong swimmer as a sailor, obviously, but especially this type of sailing. I mean, it's a small boat, right? So the next thing, so I I did my research, I did my homework. 470 stands for the length of the boat, right? Yep. 4.7 meters long. So it's a small, it's a pretty small boat. Yeah. It's about 15 feet. There's three sails we use, two upwind and then a spinnaker that we set downwind. And the two of us, we work together. The sport of sailing is, it's extremely physical. It's extremely mentally taxing. And generally, Nikki, the one steering the boat in the back is the kind of the brains of the operation. And so she's in charge of placing our boat against other boats. I kind of am the the speed, the gas pedal. And so I talked to her about, you know, what weather conditions we're about to sail into and then use all the physicality I can. So if we need to really close to crossing another boat on the course, she needs a little extra speed. She'll tell me, go crazy. And I'll just start pumping the boat and work ourselves faster. So I'm guessing a big part of the type of athlete you are, you have to be able to kind of hit certain gears during the race? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So our races are about an hour long, 45 minutes to an hour. And we do two to three races a day. And that's stretched out over a six to seven day period. So you've got to have the mental stamina to be able to stay in it 
all six, seven days, but then also you're right and have the different gear changes. You can't go out hard the first day and use all your gas. Oh, it's like a little bit of a tour de France of sailing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause you have different conditions every day. Um, right. we're allowed to measure in one set of sails. So we kind of choose our equipment, but within that range, you can completely tune our boat differently for different conditions. And so sails going back and forth to allow you to change direction, there's got to be a certain level of injuries that occur with with the, the equipment. As far as injuries go, the more physical the boat gets and the more the crews don't get their base fitness, the more you're really like putting load on your back and just in places that you're not supposed to. And so that's been a real focus of our team is to get that really strong base fitness wise and mobility so that we can kind of be wearing your equipment right, I guess. So when the sail's going back and forth, you kind of have to tuck under it, right? Yeah. Oh, the boom. You're talking about the boom. So you have to have a good amount of that mobility to get into these deep positions really quickly, right? Yeah, totally. And as you actually, to get technical, as you uh, rake the sail back, you do that when it gets breezy. So a lot of the power is able to be dumped off and you're more in your correct range. That more you depower, the closer the boom gets down to where we need to duck under it. So it gets fun. <laughs> I was watching some of those videos, seeing them duck in the coordinated effort. It's a cool, it's graceful looking sport. So for me, from the physical therapist inside me, I'm watching you kind of, the sailors get the boat started. And it seems to me a lot of posterior chain or hamstrings, glutes, a lot of the back to pump almost into like a, a hinge a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like a wave kind of that I'm doing with my body. That was a great description. I'm generally quad dominant. And so I've had to spend the last year really learning how to use my hamstrings and my glutes. Um, mm -hmm. And that kind of came from a back injury that was like, I'm using the wrong muscles. Um, right. And it's also when it's not very windy, you're kind of hanging in this precarious position and everything's perfectly balanced so that if there's a puff of wind or if there's a wave, you need to make sure the boat stays balanced. So we're moving our bodies to, to counterbalance all of that. And so just firing your glutes the whole, whole race. And your whole core, right? Yeah. You were just getting ready for obviously the Summer Olympics and the qualifier round you told me about in Spain. So tell me what that whole situation was like with COVID coming down and really an insane situation for you to be in the middle of. Yeah, it was pretty wild. So our final, our third and final trial, which would have determined who was going to the games, was our world championship. And that was in Palma, Spain. And you usually go for a pre-Worlds regatta. So we were there training a month ahead of time. And so just kind of as the whole situation develops, there were a few teams that dropped out early just because their federation said, no, we want you to come home. And we had committed to staying regardless because it seemed like it was going to be, you know, a short shutdown and let's stay here and train. It's beautiful conditions. And then I think it was three days before the event started we went out for a training session and there's usually hundred boats on the water. Everyone's training and um, practice races. And there were only a few boats out. So it's kind of this weird, eerie feeling. And we came back to the beach to hear the event was canceled. And just one by one, teams packed up all throughout the night. So you went from this packed beach with high, intense adrenaline emotions. And all of a sudden, everyone's gone. You don't know when you're going to see each other next. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what the current strategy is or how it's been as part of the U.S. Olympic team, you know, just us living at home right now, we're wondering when the lockdown's going to end as an athlete going for the Summer Olympics, 2020 Summer Olympics. Like what's been the week to week kind of news flashes for you and how's that roller coaster 
been? It was a little bit of an adjustment at first. And I think that was more of just the coming down off of the worlds that we didn't actually have. And so all of that adrenaline and, you know, you're used to being with your team every single day and all of a sudden you're alone locked in quarantine. But Mm. I think, well, the, for the U S sailing team and the U S OPC, they've been very transparent. They've been updating us every week and their big message is just exercise patience. There's nothing we can do right now. Let's be safe. So that's kind of been the backbone. But I think for me personally, um, Nikki and I got together and we had two years of a very steep learning curve, whereas most of our competitors have been sailing together for 10, 15 years. And so we've just been on this high speed roller coaster. So it was really important for me to come home and kind of recheck in and see where we're at now. And with gaining this extra time, how are we going to use it wisely? Um, Mm -hmm. So that was really nice. And I think, you know, with the sport of sailing, there's so much to gain. You can watch trackers online. We've been doing that because they put trackers in our boat. So you can virtually play your race and how you how you went that day and see the decisions you made. We've been doing a lot of webinars with the U.S. sailing team. So there's courses you can take on weather to learn what it's like in Japan this time of year. There's a whole rule book for the sport of sailing. So we study the rules, make sure we know that. Yeah, there's there's tons to do. Awesome. Yeah, that was actually one of the questions I wanted to ask in terms of virtual work that you can be doing as a sailor, tapping into those things. And it's interesting, you mentioned how you navigate the course virtually. I remember when I was up in Lake Placid watching, it was a USA bobsled skeleton World Cup, I believe, event. And I was watching all the different athletes for the different countries. And before they would go down, I saw them kind of in the zone going through the the bobsled course. And I just, I guess I never really thought about the fact that they memorized the entire course. And to me, that was kind of eye-opening to the skill side and the, and the mental side, because I think as physical therapists, as strength coaches, over the last few decades, we've really focused on the physical element. And now I think we're finally just tapping into the other elements, which I know you and I already discussed are really important for your own performance. So right now, in terms of actually training yourself on the water, is that fully on hold? On the water is on hold right now. They have given us the go-ahead when our local governments open up. So we're just kind of waiting on Miami right now is where we're based. Right. Yeah, you were talking about the like the mental aspect and you know going over your race course. And I think for the sport of sailing, it's not just putting on, lacing up the shoes and going. There's a lot more that, that goes into a day of sailing. And so the more that I can go through maneuvers in my head, I do that every night before bed. It's just putting in the reps. And, you know, they say if you've done it already several times, it's just almost the same as living the experience. The implications of mental practice and, and visualization is obviously huge. Your experience as a sailor, I'm sure in terms of wind, you can never fully predict it, right? You're always going to get some level of, you know, a gust that comes out of nowhere And that's kind of a little bit of a parallel for what we're going through right now with COVID, not knowing what to expect. A lot of sports, obviously, there's predetermined plans and certain sports have a little bit more of a need to think on your feet. So do you think sailing has prepared you for a situation like this mentally, not knowing what to expect on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think you have to be adaptable in sailing. You know, some venues are different than others and more predictable, but just even in terms of things breaking on the boat, on the water, you have to think on your feet. Sometimes I wear a little piece of spectra rope on my wrist in case something breaks and you can just retie it. 
our coach is from Argentina and he always preaches to us that Americans are very structured, very planned. They want to know what's going to happen the next week, two weeks out. It's important to have some of that balance, but he's also really instilled in us. There's times where you go with the flow and things are out of your control. So, Larry, I think that's a big point for us to drive home on this episode. So I wrote a book, Injured to Elite, and I'm going through actually the second edit right now. And a big part of the book is progression, right? Athletes want to know how to progress themselves after an injury correctly. And I call it the Goldilocks principle, right? The just right principle of not going too hard, not going too slow after an injury. And athletes tend to get very anxious when they get the curveball thrown at them out of nowhere. The athletes that I know at the highest levels in sports like yours and baseball and all other sports, they tend to have a strong sense of confidence dealing with the unknown. And the more amateur athletes, the younger athletes tend to get very nervous in those situations and want things to be, like you just said, very much spelled out for them. What strategies or over the years, how have you tapped into kind of being more comfortable with that unknown? Well, I think the older you get, the more it's just experience. So you've lived the unknown longer. And I I would say for me, it's more the team around me. Um, I am a very naturally calm person. So I I had a spasm in my back earlier this year. And it was when we had our training partners from the Netherlands here. And that was extremely hard for me right away, just never knowing that feeling of the back tensing up, all your muscles tensing, and then feeling like you're putting everyone else around you out because they can't go sailing without me. But that's when John helped me a lot with just the mental aspect of it. And I think I've personally found more tools. I have an anchor word or an anchor song that I can always come back to that, you know, when my mind starts wandering or it doesn't know something, it's kind of like, oh, just calm down. And someone said to me, I think it was earlier this week, that just have in the back of your mind when things get kind of chaotic and when people are afraid, that's when you relax and do your thing. And so just knowing that in the back of your head, in any situation, if there's someone collapses on the street next to you or anything where people are afraid, and there's a lot of fear right now, that's when you just have to say, all right, relax and do my thing. That's interesting. High performers generally kind of have that instilled in them. When the going gets tough, the tough get going kind of thing. Like I know that for myself. If I'm in a situation where I have to respond to somebody who collapsed, like you just mentioned, I tend to tap into this calm actually and go to work versus when things are super quiet, people that are high performers tend to want to look for you know, the next rise or you know, the next competition or the next big intense training session. And sometimes the calm is the toughest part. Totally, totally. How has the calm been right now for you in terms of going from, like you said, almost, you know, 100 to 10 miles an hour? Has that been difficult? Uh, Yes. And I think what I use for my anchors right now is uh, my trainer. He's incredible. And he just keeps reminding me that like, we're on this cycle period, you were about to peak, and now we're starting over. So we're progressing, we're building your base again. So he's helped me with that. And then Nikki, my teammate is an incredible goal setter. And so she's 
helped us really get back to our team, like our ultimate goal, winning a gold medal. Um, What's our short-term, our long-term, our medium. And then we can go back and kind of like stockpile up different drills we want to do, different things we want to accomplish on the water. So you're already going through all of that. So I think the goals have helped me like kind of anchor to something. And then within that, I can go and I can watch videos of our competition and see what they're doing or how I can get better. Right. And the word anchor is interesting that you use that because I wrote that into one of the chapters of my book, creating an anchor for any negative thought virus that comes in. Uh, David Butler and Lorimer Mosley wrote a book called Explain Pain and they call thought virus any kind of thought that is responding to the emotion of fear and something that can impact our body or other elements of our life negatively, especially after an injury. And I've taken that a little bit further with John. We call it a thought vaccine using affirmation statements. So by using that anchor, whether it's a song or a snap of the finger, being able to tap into some type of mental strategy or just simply a new thought, replacing your thought with a positive one, gratitude, is tremendously effective with a lot of athletes. So I'm sure that's helped you a lot in a lot of tough situations. Yeah. Well, I mean, it even helped me today. Last night, my friends, they texted, you want to go cycling tomorrow? At first I was like, well, I I don't have a pump for my bike. Like I I haven't put air in the tires in a while. And I don't know, there were about five different excuses that came to my head. And then I was like, wait, back up (laughs) and just started kind of like going into my chest up powerful self and it's earth day. It's beautiful ride. Use the the lower tires to your advantage. You're going to get something out of it. So I think the more that you go through that and have your anchors, the more you realize like, oh, I'm starting to go down this negative thought. Let's bring it back. Right. You have to become your own monitor. And I think historically there's been that trainer athlete, coach athlete relationship where the coach or the trainer or the physical therapist has been kind of dictating programs and calling the athlete out. And it's so much more effective when you could do it yourself and you can catch yourself. And so that that's awesome. And I hope listeners out there integrate that. So develop your own anchor, could be a snap of a finger, could be a song and tap yourself into that replacement of that thought with something good. What do you recommend? It sounded like you tap into turning the negative into a positive or do you use a thought of gratitude? Like what's what works for you? Uh, I use a word. I use power mostly. Usually when I'm in the gym, it's just kind of what I've grabbed onto. So um, if things start getting negative, I just say the word power and instantly I'm out of it. But I found it because I wrote down about five different words. I had mamba mentality. I had a couple different things that stood out to me. And that was the one that just kept coming up. I have a song I listen to. It's called Running by Beyonce. And I only listen to that song if I'm going to think about sailing and sailing well. And so I usually do that either before or after sailing and visualize success. So that's an anchor song. Right. And when you're sailing, do you actually play that in your head? Not while I'm sailing, no. Practice. Yeah. Or train. Yeah. Awesome. So you being the first female athlete, we had Barry come on, of course, I don't want to forget about that. And she was great, (laughs) but you're the first solo female athlete that have come on to injure to elite. And it's an area that I kind of felt like I really want to develop into the podcast in terms of as an elite female athlete, are there areas that from a, from a third person perspective that you can see some differences in terms of Areas that maybe are a little bit more neglected in terms of the performance model or areas that, you know, just seem to be different or different perspective. Olympic 470 sailing is very different in that we race with the exact same equipment that the men do. 
and the same race courses. So from that standpoint, it's very equal. Um, we train with men, sometimes we race with them. And so that's my bar. And I don't ever think about, um, kind of being behind on that in that sense. And sailing is also not a very high visibility sport. And so, you know, I can, I watch different track athletes and I can see how there's different sponsor, um, opportunities because they get more visibility that would be really hard um and i have been following the um the whole maternity leave and pay and you know if i were in that position where i was a high-paid athlete and having a baby i think i would have a lot more to speak to what i do have experience with is the professional sailing world and i'm generally i i did that for about five years and i was generally the only female on the boat anywhere from three people to I don't know. I've sailed with 60 other people (laughs) and that is something that I'd like to help change. I think females are very different sailors and that they have really good feel um, and they're really good multitaskers. And so as far as the actual performance of the boat, I think we're really underlooked and just don't have the confidence to have the voice. It is kind of a, a bro world. And so I would love to help break that. Yeah. I mean, think about all the phrases in the the English language they use about sailors, right? I mean, there's a lot of culture built around sailing and that, so I could appreciate that. When did Olympic women, Olympic sailing come into play versus uh, 470 for men versus women in the Olympics? So the first female sailed in the 88 games, Allison and Lynn were Americans. They won the first gold. The Men, it was one or two quads before that, I believe. I don't actually know off the top of my head, but it's been fairly similar. And this is actually the last quad. It's going to be male and female separately. So they're going to mix the boats. There'll be one male and one female in the boat. I was going to ask that actually, because with the equipment being so similar, it would make sense that they can integrate this sport. Are there any other Olympic sports where that's been done? Uh, That is a great question. I have no idea. Nothing comes to my head. So that would be interesting if the next Olympics come around, you could potentially have a male in that boat and potentially be the first mixed event. Yeah. Yeah. Other than like a track relay, but okay. yeah, as far as being in the boat together. And- so what's the plan going forward with everything this summer? It's kind of still in a sit back and wait. We have several different options laid out. We would love to get back to Europe soon because that's where most of the competition is in the best training and venues. So I know that a lot of the big regattas have contracts that they're still waiting to fulfill. And so we're just waiting to see when and where our trials are going to be. If they'll still be in Palma, then that's great. Um, that's where our boat's still locked up. But as far as right now, we do still have another boat in Miami. So all we can kind of do is sit and wait to train here. We have some awesome conditions out in the ocean that are similar to Japan. So kind of a best case for us. You've probably seen some pretty cool places sailing through the world. It's incredible. We're super lucky and I try my hardest to actually see the venue and learn some of the history wherever we go. Yeah, that's awesome. And I mean, thinking about the fact that people that first traveled, traveled through sailing, right? which is kind of cool. So for any athlete out there that's listening to this podcast, what would you want to share with them that's working for you right now, going through this lockdown that they can integrate in their day? I mean, for me personally, I'd say know what works for you. And for me, it's 
definitely having gratitude. And that's something that I spend time with John working on in the harmony exercise. And um, I've been doing an hour meditation every day. And to me, that was always this thing that like is far out there. I don't know if I could ever get to that. There's not enough hours in the day. And so I've actually been doing it and it's been working great. I think just staying present is a, a big one for me. Awesome. What what type of meditation style or practice do you use for the hour? It's actually um, Young Shim and it's a Korean practice. It's like energy work. So my best friend got me into it. So we were taking like a Zoom class with six people, six or so people every night. So we start kind of with some breath work, some meditation, then it goes into just some very slow, basic movements to kind of like open up energy pathways. And then it ends with another meditation. Um, So I've also been learning a lot about energy work and another thing that was just a word to me. And now I'm learning about the science of energy. That's a big concept. I think for a lot of athletes out there, the holistic element of performance has been neglected, I think, for many years. And it's very intuitive into some Asian practices, martial arts, things like that. But in especially the American culture, holistic performance is probably not even, I don't even know if anybody uses the term holistic performance, but it should be. And it's its important. I think it's a great time for people to learn about things like that, essential oils, um, meditation, all the different things that you can integrate right now with tremendous benefits and not put yourself in a, in a tough situation. So yeah. And, and simply lo- like just learning how to breathe. I remember in high school, that was always something that like right before cross country race would start, coach would always say, take a deep breath, like fill your whole body with air. And, you know, right before the end where you kick at 300 meters, like again, take have all the oxygen circulate. And I kind of never went back to that until lately where I'll just start breathing before races. And I don't know, just, I think it gets so technical within our sports and just keep adding on like the icing on the cake, but we don't have the foundation. And I know a lot of people focus on the physical foundation, but yeah, the the mental and spiritual, that's really important. Absolutely. That's where John, it sounds like he's taught you a lot. He's taught me a ton in terms of conscious breathing or in, in yoga practices, the Indian spirituality world, they call it prana. Conscious breathing is so important and it can really make an instant difference in your program and in your day. And in those moments, especially coupled with an anchor, I mean, an anchor and a conscious breath that could change the rest of your day. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Watch out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think everybody's got to watch out for you because I don't think you're stopping and it seems like you're just even growing through this. So I love having people come on like yourself that Um, are tapping into all the different elements. And I appreciate you sharing everything. Awesome. Thank you. And yeah, I encourage people to check out our site to actually look up the sport of sailing. So our team is Perfect Vision Sailing. And that was Perfect Vision for 2020. So a little bit different now. But but yeah, we post some videos and photos. You can see sailing, hopefully put it on the map. We'll absolutely put that in the show notes. We'll put a link for your website and all your different social media and encourage everybody to check that out. There's a lot of cool sports out there that you probably have never seen in action. And this is definitely one of them. And it seems like it's pretty engaging to watch. So I'm looking forward to actually watching you in the Olympics. (laughs) That's going to be a lot of fun, whenever it is. I'll wait for it because it'll be worth the wait. So yeah, come back to me with questions then. Absolutely. I will. Thank you so much, Lara. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to episode 23 of the Injury Tool Lead podcast. I hope that you're as inspired as I am and take away some of the key messages 
Lara shared, such as using an anchor to instill an instantaneous mental and physical change when we need it most. Please support Lara and her sailing team by visiting her website at www.perfectvisionsailing.com to learn more about the sport. As always, thank you all for listening.